starting with the foundation of psychological safety and digital transformation is essential. The term psychological safety gets frequently discussed these days, often by me. If you're pursuing a digital transformation, you need a culture that supports change. The best method to support the inherent uncertainty, fear, confusion, skepticism, reluctance, apprehension, and hope in transformation is ensuring you have established a robust foundation of psychological safety. Psychological safety is crucial for high performance teams. When I started my first job at IBM, my boss shared an intriguing detail with me. He came across a study that demonstrated that teams who liked each other outperformed teams solely composed of all stars. This resonated with me and I prioritized building an inclusive team culture, infusing festivities within team kickoffs and more. However, a few years later, I discovered liking your team members wasn't absolutely necessary for a team's success. It was equally effective as long as team members trusted and respected each other. In 2015, Google presented Project Aristotle, which leveraged the company's expertise in analytics to tackle a complex issue. What makes a team effective? The answer they discovered was the presence of psychological safety. However, although they identified the solution, Google did not provide a clear roadmap on how to achieve it. In an article in the New York Times about Project Aristotle, an example of fostering psychological safety involved a team leader disclosing his stage four cancer diagnosis. While this extreme situation, which none of us would wish to replicate, proved effective, it is essential to understand its effectiveness. By sharing such deeply personal and significant information, the leader demonstrated trust in his team. This act of vulnerability encouraged his colleagues to respond in kind, thus fostering an environment of psychological safety. One reason why some individuals believe that a return to the workplace is necessary for a robust corporate culture is that historically, casual in-person interactions have been the foundation of psychological safety. The informal chats at the water cooler weekend plans discussed during lunch and venting out frustrations during post-work cocktails have all fostered psychological safety. The assumption is that a traditional office-based culture is the only, or at least the best method of building this psychological safety. However, this assumption is not entirely accurate. Managers don't need to depend on random face-to-face -face interactions to inadvertently create a sense of psychological safety. Managers striving to construct high-performance teams can deliberately cultivate safety. For instance, following the tragic incident involving George Floyd, I found myself exploring ways to contribute to the necessary societal changes. I conversed with a highly intelligent DI specialist named Karan, who proposed the idea of a discussion group. I can confidently say that I did not scoff at the idea of starting a mini book club as a worthwhile endeavor. It would be impolite, especially considering he was graciously assisting me. Despite my skepticism, I looked at the discussion group as an opportunity to engage in something that I could say I've attempted. Karan suggested forming small squads with someone other than myself acting as a facilitator. This facilitator would pinpoint a topic and disseminate a brief article for pre-reading purposes. Seeing no reasons to deviate from his plan, I split my team into three groups of 20 and issued an email calling for facilitator volunteers. Almost instantly, I received three responses. The inaugural session was focused on bias in AI. Along with the article for pre-reading, the facilitator also provided a summary 
of a school project on the same topic, which his son had recently completed. I greatly enjoy engaging in conversations about various topics. Despite promising myself to minimize my interventions, I was ready to step in when the discussion needed a boost. Yet in our first session, besides the introduction, I only spoke once. Every month I led uh, three sessions while every other team member led one. We began this routine in May with each session lasting 45 minutes. Over time, I spent approximately 16 hours on this while each team member invested a little over five hours on more than one occasion, a facilitator shared with me that they were so excited they even dedicated extra time on the weekend to select appropriate articles. The topics we discussed were diverse, ranging from MLK's letter from a Birmingham jail, neurodiversity, anti-Semitism, to being Catholic in the present day. During our end of year recap, two thirds of the team specifically highlighted our discussion groups as a distinct advantage. With just a five hour per person investment, we had inadvertently yet significantly contributed to creating a psychologically safe environment. During these sessions, we gained insights into people's families, their fears, their beliefs, and their priorities. Despite being dispersed across the entire continental US and not having any in-person events, we understood the things that were important to each other. Now, who from your organization needs to know how to build psychological safety? Here's a summary. I unintentionally fostered psychological safety, but the good news is that I did it in a completely replicable manner. Follow these steps. One, divide your team into groups of 10, 20, two, schedule monthly 45 minute meetings with each group, calendar these meetings as early as possible to maximize attendance. Three, send an email to each group describing the discussion groups and request a volunteer to be the first facilitator. Four, Remind the facilitators that they should spend 15 minutes finding an article as a discussion starter. This article should take their colleagues roughly five minutes to read. Five, kick off the meeting by introducing the facilitator and the topic. Remind everyone that the session will not be recorded and encourage them to be mindful about revealing any personal information. Assert the importance of not dominating the conversation by speaking too much. Enlist facilitators for the upcoming sessions to wrap things up. With regard to best practices, we occasionally introduced guest speakers to initiate a topic. Uh, I discovered though that while beneficial for topic learning, this typically obstructed the overall discussion. Many participants were so enthusiastic about discussing their topic that they included an excessive amount of background information. For instance, the recommended five minute article expanded into a 30 minute video while it's all right to provide additional material, the 30 minute video was truly excellent, it's essential to make it clear as to which brief material will adequately prepare the participants. Starting with the foundation of psychological safety in digital transformation is essential. The term psychological safety gets frequently discussed these days, often by me. If you're pursuing a digital transformation, you need a culture that supports change. The best method to support the inherent uncertainty, fear, confusion, skepticism, reluctance, apprehension, and hope in transformation is ensuring you have established a robust foundation of psychological safety. Psychological safety is crucial for high-performance teams. When I started my first job at IBM, my boss shared an intriguing detail with me. He came across a study that demonstrated that teams who liked each other outperformed teams solely composed of all-stars. 
This resonated with me and I prioritized building an inclusive team culture, infusing festivities within team kickoffs and more. However, a few years later, I discovered liking your team members wasn't absolutely necessary for a team's success. It was equally effective as long as team members trusted and respected each other. In 2015, Google presented Project Aristotle, which leveraged the company's expertise in analytics to tackle a complex issue. What makes a team effective? The answer they discovered was the presence of psychological safety. However, although they identified the solution, Google did not provide a clear roadmap on how to achieve it. In an article in the New York Times about Project Aristotle, an example of fostering psychological safety involved a team leader disclosing his stage four cancer diagnosis. While this extreme situation, which none of us would wish to replicate, proved effective, it is essential to understand its effectiveness. By sharing such deeply personal and significant information, the leader demonstrated trust in his team. This act of vulnerability encouraged his colleagues to respond in kind, thus fostering an environment of psychological safety. One reason why some individuals believe that a return to the workplace is necessary for a robust corporate culture is that historically casual in-person interactions have been the foundation of psychological safety. The informal chats at the water cooler, weekend plans discussed during lunch, and venting out frustrations during post-work cocktails have all fostered psychological safety. The assumption is that a traditional office-based culture is the only, or at least the best method of building this psychological safety. However, this assumption is not entirely accurate. Managers don't need to depend on random face-to-face -face interactions to inadvertently create a sense of psychological safety. Managers striving to construct high-performance teams can deliberately cultivate safety. For instance, following the tragic incident involving George Floyd, I found myself exploring ways to contribute to the necessary societal changes. I conversed with a highly intelligent DI specialist named Koran, who proposed the idea of a discussion group. I can confidently say that I did not scoff at the idea of starting a mini book club as a worthwhile endeavor. It would be impolite, especially considering he was graciously assisting me. Despite my skepticism, I looked at the discussion group as an opportunity to engage in something that I could say I've attempted. Koran suggested forming small squads with someone other than myself, acting as a facilitator. This facilitator would pinpoint a topic and disseminate a brief article for pre-reading purposes. Seeing no reasons to deviate from his plan, I split my team into three groups of 20 and issued an email calling for facilitator volunteers. Almost instantly, I received three responses. The inaugural session was focused on bias in AI. Along with the article for pre-reading, the facilitator also provided a summary of a school project on the same topic, which his son had recently completed. I greatly enjoy engaging in conversations about various topics. Despite promising myself to minimize my interventions, I was ready to step in when the discussion needed a boost. Yet in our first session, besides the introduction, I only spoke once. Every month I led three sessions while every other team member led one. We began this routine in May with each session lasting 45 minutes. Over time, I spent approximately 16 hours on this while each team member invested a little over five hours. 
on more than one occasion, a facilitator shared with me that they were so excited, they even dedicated extra time on the weekend to select appropriate articles. The topics we discussed were diverse, ranging from MLK's letter from a Birmingham jail, neurodiversity, anti-Semitism, to being Catholic in the present day. During our end-of-year recap, two-thirds of the team specifically highlighted our discussion groups as a distinct advantage. With just a five-hour-per-person investment, we had inadvertently yet significantly contributed to creating a psychologically safe environment. During these sessions, we gained insights into people's families, their fears, their beliefs, and their priorities. Despite being dispersed across the entire continental U.S. and not having any in-person events, we understood the things that were important to each other. Now, who from your organization needs to know how to build psychological safety? Here's a summary. I unintentionally fostered psychological safety, but the good news is that I did it in a completely replicable manner. Follow these steps. One, divide your team into groups of 10, 20. Two, schedule monthly 45-minute meetings with each group. Calendar these meetings as early as possible to maximize attendance. Three, send an email to each group describing the discussion groups and request a volunteer to be the first facilitator Four, remind the facilitators that they should spend 15 minutes finding an article as a discussion starter. Uh, this article should take their colleagues roughly five minutes to read. Five, kick off the meeting by introducing the facilitator and the topic. Remind everyone that the session will not be recorded and encourage them to be mindful about revealing any personal information. Assert the importance of not dominating the conversation by speaking too much. Enlist facilitators for the upcoming sessions to wrap things up. With regard to best practices, we occasionally introduced guest speakers to initiate a topic. I discovered, though, that while beneficial for topic learning, this typically obstructed the overall discussion. Many participants were so enthusiastic about discussing their topic that they included an excessive amount of background information. For instance, the recommended five-minute article expanded into a 30-minute video. While it's all right to provide additional material, the 30-minute video was truly excellent. It's essential to make it clear as to which brief material will adequately prepare the participants.